It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord, and it's wonderful to be on a great team with you all. Who likes working in the kitchen? Anybody really like working in the kitchen? I see a few hands going up. Who doesn't like working in the kitchen? All right. Now, you kind of run into two different camps, and what I've learned over the years of being married 26 years, that that's the way that I can care for my wife. And I have to tell myself several times, I'm doing this for her. Because I'm a paper plate guy. If she's gone for a few days, I let those dishes just pile up and just do them at once. Who's, who, who's there with me? Just do them at once. It's more efficient and it's just that way. And I don't care about a mess, but my wife looks at it a little differently. She looks at it. She cannot, she cannot rest if the kitchen is not clean. And she will get that kitchen clean before she goes to bed, before she leaves the house, anywhere. I've been late lots of times because the kitchen's not clean. And I'm like, why would you do that? Just leave it. It'll still be there when you come back. The ants are going to come out in like just an hour and a half, right? But this is, how, this is how life is. Life is this tension full of different personalities. And we look at things differently. And there's a there's, a, there's, a, there's lots of different perspectives. And when we open up the Bible and look at this, this series that we're finishing up here, on, on this day, we've got a, a title, and it's right there on your bulletin. Pull your bulletin, and it says, what does it say? It says, this gift is not great. Who's ever, who's ever gotten a gift that is not great. Can I get an amen? I got a gift from my sister, uh, and, and I realized what she was doing. I went to visit her last month for a few days. What she was doing was she was gifting me something that she didn't want to throw away. I was like, this is completely worthless. But she's really like conscious about that stuff, and so she gave me all these gifts I took my car home, I had my dad's old chair, and I had this, all this, what am I doing this for? I went and threw it away, and I thought, I'm doing this for her. This gift is not great. Who can relate to gifts that we get that are not great? And, you know, the reality is, is that God is giving us gifts all the time. But a lot of times we don't understand what they are. We look at the gift that God gives us in our life and we just look at it as, does it increase our comfort or does it decrease our comfort, right? And if it increases our comfort, if it makes us feel happy, we go, oh, this is a good gift. And if it doesn't, what do we think? Reject it, get away from it, get this out of my life, right? Well, this happened all the way through the Bible and it still happens today. And so this tension that we live in within the kingdom of God where this symbol of God's kingdom, which is God's, everyone say rule and reign. So it's God's rules and God's the king. It's God's rules and God's the king. And this tension that we have in life is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of me. It's, it's a very simple construct to look at the Bible, to look at our life and ask yourself, is this building the kingdom of God or is this building the kingdom of me? I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor. My parents were, were, a, were a really shining example 
of what a good marriage should be. They loved one another. They, they loved spending time together. They had all these hobbies they liked doing together. They liked gardening. I still can't believe that. Now, you gardeners out there, I know. I just can't imagine why you like gardening. Um, I, I get it when you're, when, when you're plucking tomatoes, you know, all those fresh tomatoes and then all the salsa. I just, maybe it's because I always had to weed the garden. And I just hated that. But there's this, there's this, I was raised in the church. I was raised with a good Christian example around the house and I didn't get it. And I sat in church and I sat in church and I didn't get it. I didn't understand why. So if you're coming to church, maybe you can relate to this. Like, why are we doing this? What's going on? Why are we, why are we talking so long about the Bible? Why do we have to listen to Fritz talk? Why can't he just get it done in five minutes? Well, because this is a process and when we, when we process the word of God, and when I show you what I've been processing, hopefully what we're gonna learn is we're gonna leave here with something. If we pay attention, if you, look, if you look on the back of your bulletin, we have to pay attention. And one of the ways we pay attention is look at this. You will either build the kingdom of God in your life, you will either put your energy and your thoughts into the kingdom of God, or you will build the kingdom of me. What is the kingdom of me like? our stature, our stuff, our what we're perceived as, right? That's the kingdom of me, right? All that stuff, if it's done for us selfishly, what is that gonna amount to? Zero. Now the kingdom of God is different because the kingdom of God requires faith. It really does. And I never got that. I just thought it was about rules and about stuff that people wanted me to do. And so what did I do in church? I completely checked out. I completely checked out. I didn't understand that the purpose of church was so that I would, I would be illuminated with the love of Christ so much that I would be like, I wanna build God's kingdom. That didn't happen until I met Jesus for the first time. And so wherever you are in your life right now, if you're starting that journey or if you've been working on this journey for a long time, it's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of me. And guess what? The kingdom of God is not about you. It really isn't. It's about loving God and loving others, the cross, the great commandment. Love God, everyone say love God, and love your neighbor. And so this is the, this is the matrix of what it has to do with. How do we know we love God? By how we love our neighbor. It doesn't say, it doesn't say love yourself, although as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, but it doesn't say, how do you love God? Love yourself. Always make yourself number one. That's the kingdom of me, right? The kingdom of God is loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And when you read the Bible with this kind of framework, it's really easy to start seeing the patterns because every human life produces things all the time. We are, we are production machines. We're producing things all the time. And we're either producing things for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of me. And this side is really ugly. This side is really messed up. This side is harder, but it's more life-giving. So we gotta start with that because if we're, gonna, if we're gonna pay attention to look for the connection, number two, look for the connection in God's word to our life, then we can take action. 
But if we don't even know why, if we say, well, I'm just coming to church and I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna space out and think about what I'm doing next, you won't get anything from it. And this is God's plan for us to, to, build, to build the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of me. And so it starts with this tension where we see, where we see people in the Bible, God giving, giving a gift. God reveals himself in love. God gives himself on the cross. And we go, wow, and now what? And then we take this gift, and sometimes we take this gift and we say, this gift is not great. And, and does, does, does this ever happen with anyone else? When, when God reveals, when God reveals, we reach for a shovel. I've got the shovel analogy going. Why? Because I've been shoveling snow and thinking a lot about what are we shoveling? When God reveals, we reach for a shovel. It just depends on this. What are you gonna shovel? We had a shovel that was meant for one thing on the farm, manure. This is not a manure shovel, okay? Doesn't really work. Our manure shovel looked like, uh, like a potato. What is that called, potato, whatever, you know? What, potato fork, yeah. And it was really good for shoveling manure. And you know, what we can do in our life is God reveals and sometimes we take our shovel that we're shoveling and we stick it in the manure pile and we shovel that back towards God. Sometimes we do that. Human beings do it. We're, we're gonna read about it in the Bible, okay? Because it happened and guess what? It's still happening today. And so this is, the, this is the tension we're working on is that we're building the kingdom of God or the kingdom of me. And this very simple thing is that if we can think about it in this way, there's a couple things that we tend to shovel. There's two things that we tend to shovel. We tend to go in this pile or that pile. What is it? Let's, uh, let's take a look. Now, we're gonna take a look at the Israelites and remember the context of the Israelites in this story is the 10 plagues of Egypt. This is God made it very clear how they got out of Egypt, right? God made it abundantly clear. There were 10 plagues. That's how he got them out. These are millions of people who were enslaved, okay? And then God rescued them from a life of slavery and suffering. So God revealed himself in the 10 plagues of Egypt and they got out. And then what's this? Someone just shouted out. The Red Sea. So this is the greatest miracle of God parting the Red Sea. And then the people walked through on dry land. And then what happened behind them? The waters closed in and killed all their enemies. So this is a great story, right? You would think that everyone who experienced this was forever changed. And they were just praising God their whole life. Wouldn't you think that? Would you think that? How about if we take a look? Let's take a look in, in Numbers 11. Let's just read the story. Let's see what happened. This is not very long after the Red Sea. And we're gonna start with uh, Numbers 11 off, on page 119 in your Black Pew Bible there. And we're gonna start with verse one and we're just gonna read down. And we're gonna get a, a sense of what, what happened with the people. And the people complained in their in, their, in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. 
They complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. Everyone say, ooh. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses. And Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Tabera because the fire of the Lord burned among them. And you'd think that that was, that was enough warning, right? They would be like, okay, I'm not doing that again. Uh, well, no. Now there was a rabble that was among them, had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again. So they were complaining again. Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. Now hold on a second. Did it really cost nothing? No, they were slaves. They were slaves. They weren't getting paid anything and they were working all the time. Did it cost nothing? No, but that was their complaint because they viewed everything in their life differently because they forgot. God revealed and what were they reaching for? They were reaching for the manure pile, right? And they were shoveling right that, that, that manure right back into God's lap. And then, and then they just go further. Uh, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now this is people who are working, working, working all the time. God does all these miracles. They get out of Egypt. And what are they doing now? Are they working? No. What's their hardest job of the day? Handling and organizing all the stuff that they got out of Egypt, right? All the, all, the, all the gold and the silver and the livestock and everything that the Egyptians just piled on and said, get out of here. So they had all this stuff and they were hanging out. God was feeding them with manna, manna from heaven. They were going out every day and collecting it, but they were complaining. They didn't see the gift that God gave them for what it was. They were looking back at Egypt thinking about, they had all this stuff, all these cucumbers and melons, but now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. To look at? I don't even want to look at it. Cry babies, right? Isn't that amazing? I don't even want to look at this manna. Now the manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like that of bdellium. The people went, about and gathered it and ground it in hand mills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. Well, this is what happened. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And guess what? The anger of the Lord blazed hotly and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me? Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight that I might not see my wretchedness. So man, this was tough. This was, this was like a re-gifter, right? They receive it, 
They rejected it and they gave it away. They took, they took the manna that God gave them and they didn't want it and they just gave it back. Like, we don't want this. You know what God did? God gave them quail. He said, you're gonna be eating quail so much, it's gonna come out of your nose. And it didn't end there. God takes this very seriously and we should take this very seriously because the truth is this, when we're shoveling, when we're shoveling, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make in response to what God has given us. And it's easy to look at this picture, right? And see God's beauty in creation, right? Does everyone agree? If you were to wake up in this wonderful valley, who would like to have a house built right there on that nice little lake and get up and go fishing? Yeah, get an amen. This is, this is God's creation. Imagine, imagine if whatever is happening in your life, imagine if you could have this picture in front, somehow in front of you, that you could still praise God for the situation you're in. What if the people said, hey God, I don't know about this manna. I'm kind of getting tired of it. I don't understand when is all this going to end? Are we gonna be eating manna forever? Would that be a little different than a complaint? Would that? Yes. That would be different because that would be about relationship and that would be respecting the giver of the gift. And that would change the way you look at something. And it's really simply put as this, is that we receive gifts all the time from God. God is always, God is giving you what right now? What is God giving you? Someone shout it out. He's giving you life. What else is he giving you? A homes. What else? Family. Keep on, let's go. Let's go for a minute here. What else? Church family. What else has he given you? Food, a job. How about air to breathe? Did you give yourself the air you're breathing? Imagine what, 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 what could it be if we, were, if, we were, if we learned how to look at the Israelites and say, what did they do wrong? What did they do wrong? They complained. What is a complaint? It's an aggressive lament, an accusation, a lament like, God, this is your fault. I don't like this and you're to blame, right? Now, wait a minute. God's like, I've given you this food. Could you take a different perspective? Imagine how that would have been different and how we could make a difference in our own lives. What if we could look at our lives and say, God, I can't believe you set me free. I can't believe you set me free. I don't understand why I'm eating this manna, but I'm so thankful that you set me free. What if we could look at our lives and say, what is the gift that God is always giving us? And look at this picture in front of our minds and learn in faith, because God always, always requires faith. God always requires faith. Now, faith is sometimes uncomfortable at the beginning. And if you were here last week, we, we, we talked about 
how the Israelites went up into the promised land. What did that take to go in the promised land? It took faith. And there was 12 spies, 10 of them said what? We can't do it. Two of them said what? Yes, we're gonna do it. Now, who remembers what was the first battle? What was the first battle when they decided to go up and take the promised land? Remember the gift was God says you gotta take something and that take something was a step of faith. What was the first thing that happened when they went in the promised land? Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Did they have to, how did the walls come tumbling down again? They marched around them. That took faith, right? Did God tell them? He just said, march around. Did they know the walls were gonna come tumbling down when you read the text? He didn't know. Could you imagine how foolish that would have been? Well, like we're, we're walking around again. We're walking around again. When are we gonna do something? Could you imagine that? But they kept walking, they kept up, they kept up the faith. And then what happened? The walls came down, they blew the trumpet on the last day and the walls came down and their first conquest was sealed. What do you think happened to the people who thought differently? They thought differently. <laughs> they thought differently. And it's the same for us today. Because out of this chaos of our lives, Jesus produces life. Out of ashes, he produces beauty. Jesus breathes new life. And we know from Philippians 2, do everything without complaining, right? Or grumbling, right? So when Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross, did he have something to complain about? Could he have complained about the cross? Could he have complained about the crown of thorns? Did he complain? Did, did the Israelites have any right to complain about how God was taking care of them? Really not. How do we then, how do we then make this choice? Because we're the people of God. It says in 1 Peter 2, everyone say chosen race. Royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. The trick is this, is that we're not all together yet. So he said, I want you to be my people. And there's people who aren't part of the people group. And they're right out there. They're right outside the walls. And God wants us to work together to build his kingdom. And this is our choice. We will either build the kingdom of me with our preferences and everything that we like, or we'll say, what is it gonna take to reach the people that God wants me to reach in my life? Because I can guarantee you this. You will die sooner than you think. You will die sooner than you think. God numbers our days. And it doesn't always happen quite that way. But typically when people come to the end of their life, they'll look back and they'll think, what, what am I really thankful for that I did with my life? Building the kingdom of God or building the kingdom 
of me. And one of the best ways to get out of building the kingdom of me is to practice gratefulness, to look at our life, to look at the trees, look at the, look at the snow, and say, thank you, God, for life. Thank you for the air that we breathe. Thank you for this, you know what the Bible even says? Thank you for challenges. Thank you for suffering. Thank you for times like this. God is kind of crazy. Is that really right? Is that something, is that how I would write it? Would I, would, would I have Jesus the King come in as a baby? No, I'd have him come in like on a white horse. Well, that's how he's gonna come back again. But I, and I don't know if I would have my son die on the cross. I don't know if that's how I would write the story. But anyway, it's how God wrote the story. And one of the surest ways I know of getting out, stepping out of the kingdom of me and stepping into the kingdom of God by faith is by practicing gratefulness. What are some things, what are some more things that you're grateful for in your life? Let's just shout it out. What are you grateful for? Your children. What else? Grandchildren. Yay! Woohoo! Yes! Something in your life. Thankful for your sister. Let's give him. What else are you thankful for? What's that? The frost in the trees this morning. What? Music. What else? Sunshine. Health. Yeah. Time. Abundance. Abundance of what? Yeah. So this is this is this can literally change the atmosphere of your life. If you practice gratefulness, it's a step into the kingdom of God. Remember the kingdom of God is God's R and R. God's R and R. Rule and so it's God's rules and God's the reign, reigning king. Doesn't mean rain like water coming out of the sky. It's God's rule and reign. When we step out of the kingdom of me, which is complaining, right? Do you see how that's the kingdom of me? Why'd you give me this manna? I'm sick and tired of this manna, right? That's the kingdom of me. When we step into the kingdom of God and we say, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. I can't believe this. I'm thankful for the trials. What happens? You become more like Christ. What, did, what does it say even before Jesus lived? Before even Jesus lived and walked the earth? In Isaiah, what, is it, what did it say about how he approached the cross? He was led like a lamb to slaughter. He said nothing. He never complained. Wow. You know, we're not perfect, but Jesus gave us this example. And when we... When we say, I'm gonna be grateful for my own life in the midst of what I don't like, you can feel free to tell God what you don't like about something, but why don't you, why don't we, you, I need this too, what if, what if we posed it like a question? God, I don't understand why we're just eating manna. 
Are we going to eat manna for like this forever? I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why, why my friend died. I don't understand why another person, like, like a family member is in the psychiatric ward. I don't understand this. It totally changes the approach, right? And then if we practice gratefulness and we say, God, I'm gonna stand on your word, I'm gonna stand on faith, and I'm gonna believe that I'm here for a reason right here in my life right now. It's really easy to complain. It's much harder to take that step of faith, but I guarantee you it will make a huge difference in your life. And everyone around you is gonna be blessed. Are you ready to bless everyone around you? All right, let's stand and pray, pray together. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we walk away from complaining. We walk away from lack. We walk away from a poverty spirit. We walk towards your kingdom. We walk towards your abundance. We walk towards the gifts you've given us. Fathers, we, we even want to thank you for the trials that we're in. And even though our, our tendency and our sinful nature is to go back into the kingdom of me and complain and weep, Father, you've given us clear direction from our life and from those who have gone before us in the Bible on what we need to do. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us the example. Even, even though you went to the cross, you didn't complain, you didn't stumble. You didn't lash out at anyone, but you went like a lamb to slaughter. And Paul says in Philippians 2, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Father, help give us the unity that you want to give us, the unity of being connected together in love, so that we can not only experience the fellowship that you want to give us, but we can reach out and reach the thousands of people in this area who don't know you, who don't know your life-giving power and don't know the benefits of walking in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together as we close. Right up there on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face, may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you go forth with favor in his peace in the name of Jesus. Amen? All right, we'll see you next week.